1: What's good, everybody? Welcome to Believe in Celtics. I'm your host, Warren Sean. Alongside me is always the great Gary Washburn. He's out here road tripping, and you know what it is. We're your host and resource for everything Celtics this season and all seasons. Gary, you're in my neck of the woods after going through the Texas Texas State. Now you're in South Florida. Gary, what's good, man? Good to see you as always.
0: Yeah, everything's good. Uh, ready for the last game of this road trip. Been a successful for the Celtics' first two games after losing that game to Denver, coming back and beating yeah. Houston and Dallas. Now... I think their toughest assignment, although they get a couple of days off and they'll be fully healthy, uh, is that new-look Miami Heat. As as we know, the Heat made some changes on Tuesday. Uh, We'll see uh, when Mr. Rozier will be in action, but I would assume it will at least be by, uh, if not tomorrow against Memphis, Thursday against his former team, and I think that will be a very interesting matchup, and we'll see how that uh, shakes out with the Heat.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think yeah, we're it's going to have to we have to structure our show a little bit differently here because there's some major implications implications for the Boston Celtics with two rivals in the Eastern Conference, two big things happening with the Terry Rozier trade, and then obviously the Milwaukee Bucks firing their assistant, or sorry, their head coach Adrian Griffin, and now potentially bringing in Doc Rivers, and another former Celtics. So lots and lots to kind of discuss there, as always. But we got to do our plugs. Make sure you follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. Make sure you follow Gary at G Washburn Globe. and check out all his stuff over at the Boston Globe, his great writings and. Uh, coverage of sports in general make sure you follow believe i believe network or at believe sports and give our show a five-star rating on whatever platform you're tuning in on or if you're watching on youtube make sure you rate review subscribe and you know leave some comments below as well too so again we're going to try to give you an express version here too we're going to jump around a little bit here um celtics as you as gary alluded to uh tough loss against the denver nuggets at home first loss first home loss of the season tatum you know misses a turnaround jay to you know that would have i guess tied that game um move on Play against now Ime Yudoka again in Houston Rockets win that game pretty pretty handily mostly for the most part then Dallas which has been problematic for the Boston Celtics in years past especially in Dallas with Luca hitting game winners and so forth but get that W despite Luka torching them you know with you know thirty plus eighteen rebounds thirteen assists or whatever it was just going absolutely crazy uh, but the week ahead as you allude to game against the Miami Heat and a game against the Los Angeles Clippers over the weekend. What are you looking forward to? You know, we won't get, well, obviously the heat are, are going to look different here too, but Miami hopefully will have a win, I think in some ways, because if, if they lose three straight going into that game uh, with Boston uh, and Terry Regier coming in tow, I, I don't think that's going to be good for Boston in any capacity. I just think the bill is going to come due at some point. Uh, but then also a game, big, big, big weekend against the Los Angeles Clippers Clippers will have revenge on their mind from Boston shellacking them without Kawhi Leonard. Um, and, and and the Boston Celtics road trip over out west. Uh, your thoughts on these two games ahead here, too. But obviously, we'll talk a little bit more Miami Heat in the around the association segment.
0: Yeah, important game for the Celtics just for their psyche. I mean, they beat Miami earlier in the season, it was a very difficult game. Um, I think that people were not sure what to think of the heat when they didn't get Dame Lillard in the offseason, they didn't really make any offseason additions. They got Thomas Bryant, and it hasn't worked out. He's on the end of the bench. Um, yep. Josh Richardson is is become a uh, you know bench piece for them. You know uh, they've dealt with a myriad of injuries, so this will be an interest. But they're still, I think, twenty four and nineteen, still in the thick of that. You know, six or seven. I'm sure they they don't want to be in the so They want to get they want to get that six seed at least. And you know, Miami, they don't really care about the seed as long as they're in the tournament and they yep. can flip the switch and they've proven that they can do that. So, but I do think it's an important game for the Celtics to show that they can, they can beat Miami at, at full strength. I don't think that, he, you know, I think Butler is likely going to play. Rozier will likely be in the, in the mix and Hero uh, will be, is, is now healthy. And we'll see if there's any other, they're the king of the knick-knack injuries. They always find something, reason to reasonably rest guys. So, for me, um, I do think it's a m- more important game for the Celtics just to say, hey, we're national TV game, quote unquote, NBA rivalry week. Rivalry, we're yeah. here to say, We're here to make a point here. Like we're better than you. And we've learned from last year. Let's get this win. I think that's what the Celtics are thinking. Uh, I think it's an important game for them. I think it's a reason why they rested Porzingis as opposed to maybe playing them in Dallas in a back to back. Um, is they wanna be they wanna be ramped up for this game. I don't I think they play the Heat once. Again, uh they come at Super Bowl Sunday, they come back to Miami in a couple of weeks. Um, but this is a an important game for the Celtics. I'm not the most critical game. I'm not gonna put too much on it. Uh, but just a, a test to say, hey, this is the team we're likely going to see in the playoffs. Because as you know, Warren, the Celtics and the Heat are gonna probably meet. they somewhere to if it's the Conference semifinals or the Conference Finals, especially if Miami does make some more moves, uh, they're going to be ready. The Celtics will be ready. So a very interesting matchup and another chapter in this rivalry.
1: Yeah, I think all very well said, and obviously we'll dive more into the Terry Rozier trade specifically in the the next segment, Uh, but I agree with you 1,000% here. You you don't want to give the the Miami Heat anything, and even though they're not going to take a whole lot into it it being a regular season game, and you're right. We'll see I wouldn't be surprised if Miami plays everybody and then Butler misses the next five games I think you know they they they're they're gonna want to match up with Boston just to kind of kind of see where things are at to some degree um and i'm I'm looking forward to that matchup and hopefully Boston will be able to uh rise to that proverbial challenge the Celtics are a little heat like in some de- in some degrees where different guys are taking nights off kind of throughout so they're they're load managing but just not everybody at the same time so K.P. will get a night off. Drew will get a night off. Jalen will get a night off. That type of thing. Uh, and that goes to show the the level of confidence that the Celtics have in this roster. It was like, hey, we may not always need everybody um, to try to get things done. And it kind of, kind of taps into what we spoke a little bit about a couple of weeks ago. Overcoming adversity kind of throughout the course of the season, which I think is an important aspect for this roster. Saturday's game against, again, the Toronto, uh, sorry, versus the L.A. Clippers. You know, huge, huge matchup again. Uh, Kawhi, Paul, Paul George, James Harden. Ty Lue just doing an amazing job on the sidelines, turning things around there. Um, anything that we should be be cognizant of? I know the the Clippers are are going to be down some big men. Uh, you know they lost um, was it Zubak. Uh, uh, Zubak you yeah. know for for a significant amount of time. Still have Plumlee in. and again former Celtic Daniel Tice you know coming into the fold. Uh, your thoughts on that game uh, coming into the weekend, and then another big week a week ahead. You know with I think the Pelicans and the Pacers after that, but. <laughs> One one game at a time here. Right? Your thoughts on the Clippers and the Celtics mm-hmm. matchup this upcoming weekend?
0: Yeah, important game, and I think obviously the the, the Clippers will be looking back to that December twenty third matchup where the where the Celtics shellacked them, as you said. Now yeah. Kawhi was not in that game, but the rest of the Clippers were, and they they were manhandled the second half. So I think the the, the Celtics you got to be aware of the the revenge factor here, which is I think. Is, is common, and you know they're going to come out with some different wrinkles. They they played the Celtics once or four. They're, they're going to they're going to have a, a kind of a tenacity to them. I would say James Harden, obviously Paul George, a healthy Kawhi, yep. uh, you know Plumlee is back now. They missed some time with I think a knee injury. He is back. Norman Powell, Terrence Mann. So a very very deep club, um, and a team that that has played. You know they were playing well when uh, the the Celtics whooped them. But they're still – they've picked it up. I, mean, I just think that we'll see the attitude of how well the Celtics – so the Clippers play on the road, being in Boston, I, um, you know, big probably the start, I want to say, or the maybe the second game of an East Coast trip for them. Um, uh, and so we'll see their their state of mind. But if you're the Celtics, you get Friday off after that Thursday game, emotional game against the Heat. And then it's right back at it. And as you said, then the Pelicans and the Pacers, like someone said like their schedule gets considerably easier, but I don't know when that starts. So maybe it's right. after the Pacers game. Cause I was told, you know, it was supposed to be after the Christmas, you know, game. Uh, Cause they had the, 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 Pistons and the Spurs. Um, but then also that was backed up with the Thunder and the Bucks and, and um, you know, And now, you'll say, Houston, two against Houston, which is not a bad team, and then Dallas on the road, then Miami, then the Clippers. So they're taking it from all sides. And and so far, as you said, Warren, they've they've managed it well, gotten guys days off, played well. I thought the win over Dallas was one of their biggest, most impressive wins of the year considering the back-to-back. Jason and Jalen, neither of them played well in Houston. And they both played heavy minutes. So you got to think the energy might be down. Okay, this could be a game where Luca uh, goes off and Kyrie and, and the, the Mavs win handily. But after that first quarter, they picked it up, dominated pretty much the rest of the game, held off a little late run. So compressive win there. Now two days off. They get a good full practice on Wednesday, which is something they relish, is a, a time to just take chill and, and practice. And then... Let's see how they, they 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 pan out over the next couple of days. But I think an important game, two, three, four game stretch for the Celtics uh, until that schedule somehow, whenever it does, lightens up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Whenever that ultimately is, I agree a thousand percent. Some other Celtics news, and we'll touch on this really briefly. Uh, the, the team select for the Olympics, um, and the Boston Celtics end up with four of their starters, if you will, and I guess the four Americans <laughs> that could be eligible. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to make this make this make this situation here to try out for the Olympic team from your sense of covering this roster. Is this something that would it be special for all four guys to make it um, I, I think that's obviously a very, very long shot, similar to the all-star conversation, which we can have probably next week. Um, but for, for Boston Celtics, at least invited to compete for a spot on the Olympic roster, it says a lot about where the where the, the team is specifically, but over, overall the patriotism that I think all these guys have uh, and your sense of all these guys wanting to potentially make this roster.
0: Yeah, I think it's really cool. I think Jason and Jalen Ob is the favorites. Uh, Drew Holiday did play on a 2020-21 team, uh, actually, uh, in Tokyo. So I'm sure he might have a, a shot. And then Derek White getting invited. I think that's a very important yeah. uh, aspect of, of it, this too, showing that the league and USA basketball is all noticing his uh, improvement in ascension. So I think it's a very good uh, sign. You know, now will guys be tired? I'm sure. Uh, if you're a Celtic fan, you hope it's coming off a championship run where they don't have much time because I know the Olympics start. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, maybe five weeks after the finals would end. So you don't know who will have the energy. I know Tatum has said he wants to play. And I think Brown has said he wants to play, you know, 12 spots, you know, and then then we're talking about Curry, LeBron, Durant, um, a bunch of guys, Ant-Man. I mean, there's going to be some heavy competition for these spots. That should be an interesting training camp, you know. And then you got guys like the Devin Bookers, uh, who knows, you know, is, is Zion going to be engaged and in shape and ready to go uh, for that opportunity? Uh, we'll see how that goes. And obviously uh, that Olympics will be intriguing with France, bringing it, bringing, you know, their, their version probably of the dream team uh, to this, probably the best team they've ever had to the Olympic games. Uh, and they will be the host country. So uh, a lot to look out for after the season, but I think it's a good sign, Warren, that this doesn't get any respect. And I think that, it says a lot, especially with a guy like Derek White, that he's finally getting the recognition he deserves after a very good year and a half so far uh, after coming to the Celtics midway through the 21-22 season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Boston has a lot to be proud of. But as you alluded to, you know, I think in some ways that they are coming off the heels of a championship. You know, will that even be the best move? Because that impacts the next season as well, too. You know, just playing all that and not really getting the requisite time off to rest your body and even the mental health that's going to be associated with that as well, too. And the pressure, of, you know, especially you get on a stacked team, you, you better win gold. So in the aspects like you don't want that embarrassment of not being able to do that, Um, no matter whoever, whoever else is on the roster in itself. Uh, let's take a quick break here and we'll come back around the association with the biggest news of the day, which is obviously Terry Rogier to the Miami Heat. And Adrian Griffin, getting fired by the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll be right back here on Believe in Celtics.
2: Are you ready to step up your style without compromising the planet? Introducing the exciting partnership between Blueview Footwear and the 19 Media Group Network. Just visit bit.ly backslash blueview19 to start your sustainable style journey. Our friends over at Blueview Footwear are renowned for introducing the world's first fully biodegradable sneaker. By using plant-based plastics, they are leading a revolution in cleaner materials and manufacturing they have sleek and contemporary styles that cater to a wide range of tastes. Blueview Footwear believes that fashion and sustainability can coexist harmoniously. Explore their incredible collection of eco-friendly footwear by visiting bit.ly blueview19. If you let us know you made a purchase, we'll shout you out on our next show. Again, just visit bit.ly backslash blueview19 today, and you'll see the ultimate collaboration of fashion, sustainability, and media
1: excellence. And we're back here on Believe in Celtics. And so let's kind of touch on the, the first news that broke today. Um, well, Today, as we're recording, um, and Terry Rozier ends up in the, ends up in Miami for a first round pick and uh, the salary, if you will, of Kyle Lowry uh, to Charlotte. Uh, well, reports that the Charlotte Hornets are probably not done making moves, uh, which means they're going to strip this things down to the studs, um, but they're not trying to just uh, give up or buy out Lowry in, in the interim time. Don't know if Lowry himself will have a market, um, but in, in the interim, Miami gets a very, very capable scorer, and something that I was reflecting on before we even got on air and mentioned this the last time, a couple times ago before we spoke. You know Tatum on a podcast some time ago, I think it was the JJ Reddy podcast, said, "Hey, in the, on that team, you know that had Terry, Gordon, Kyrie, etc." Jason's like, "We should have let Terry do more. Terry has done more. Terry's having an amazing season, or was having an amazing season in Charlotte uh, with Lamelo being out, uh, assisting, passing the ball, scoring the basketball, shooting the three. Terry Rivers is a very good basketball player, and this makes this Miami Heat team um, <laughs> very, very tough. Especially with somebody who's motivated in a way that he is. I think when he plays the Boston Celtics, your sense on this deal, how it kind of came about? Miami finally gets rid of Kyle Lowry. That's been rumored basically almost since he got there, or at least the season after he got there. Uh, did you hear that this was kind of in the in the works? Obviously, Miami wanted Damian Lillard initially. That that went to come come to pasture over the past of the summer. Uh, but there were a lot of names that he'd have been linked to. The Rozier one, it was probably floated around in the last week or so and kind of got, just got done. So I'm a little surprised that, you know, with all the stuff that mine has been linked to, that Rozier was a piece that ended up falling for them. Your thoughts on the deal and kind of how it all came to fruition?
0: Yeah, I think um, in terms of Rozier, he's a guy who I think if you're Charlotte, you're asking, um, does he help us win? You know, he's putting up, you know, he's been there. He was there four and a half years and and put up, you know, very solid numbers, right? Yep. Um, and this year, 23.2 points, 36% from three, 46% uh, from the field, which is a career high, career high, 6.6 assists. Um, you know, just a guy who is, uh, Turn into a really quality ball player, you know. And and when you draft these guys, and the Celtics draft them in fifteen, you know, you're, you're you're unsure. He didn't obviously. It, it took him maybe you know a year or two to really get his NBA legs ready, and 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 to be able to be a productive, consistent player. And you know, he had a couple of good years with the Celtics. Um, uh, you know, before they kind of sent him to Charlotte and thinking that Kimba Walker was ready to step in and help them to a championship. didn't work out that way. But Terry um, is a quality player, you know, 29 years old, probably a little older than people think. You know, you, you always think a young Terry with the Celtics, but Terry's almost 30 now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, he's a veteran guy who will step in. And the question is, you know, will he blend into the heat culture? And I think that that's going to be something that he's going to probably have his role changed, Uh, not as much, okay, because Terry likes to put him up. Uh, As we know, he likes to put the shots up, 18 shots this year, 19 shots per game last year, 16 the year before that. I don't know if that's going to happen, but he's a reliable scorer. And I just think Charlotte, you know, and and (laughs) – You look at NBA teams and the ones that win and the ones that don't, and Charlotte just never seems to have any good luck. I mean, the Michael Jordan's era didn't go well, and you know they miss out on the Wimby sweepstakes, and they get a quality guy in Brandon Miller, who you you build around him in a Lamelo Ball, but you know if you're this Lamelo can't ever really consistently stay healthy, you know he's always got an ankle problem or something like that, and so I think Charlotte's like, you know what? Like you said, Warren, we're going to sell these pieces. We know uh, Miles Bridges is on an expiring contract, and he's got that really bad case that you know that he settled. And you know, I'm sure that there'll be teams interested in him, but I think Charlotte's probably ready to just put that put him um, in his tenure there. You know, PJ Washington, you know, he has a tradable contract, uh, so I just think Miami took advantage of the fact that. You Know Lowry had an expiring $30 million deal, so it's a nice salary cap bump uh, for the for the Hornets. And then Rosier had two more years left in his deal, another mm. protected first round pick. And so for me, I just think it's a side, it's a trade that fits both sides. Two, two one franchise trying to win right now, and the other franchise saying, you know what, maybe in the next three to four years we'll be competitive and let's just tank it, try to get another lottery pick in. Build around Lamelo and Brandon Miller, and it's kind of sad because Charlotte, North Carolina's a good basketball state. Obviously, more college basketball, but they just had nothing to cheer about over the last several years. You know, they just they really have it. The Gordon Hayward thing is not did not work out as expected. Um, you know, and he's the he's in the final year of that deal. Uh, you know, it's just um, you know. So to me. It's just a it's it's a thing that when you look at it, uh, a good deal for both sides, but a testament to just kind of how some organizations just never can get by a
1: break. Yeah, uh, I think from the Charlotte side, you, it's interesting because when they said more deals are probably to come, uh, I was. Not necessarily taken aback, but I was like, "Well, dang, they didn't necessarily need to resign PJ Washington this this off season, but they did, no, didn't. and and so now he could potentially be on the move. Uh, Mark Williams, Nick Richards, guys like that. Uh, it's just I don't know, and, and I, I'm I'm curious to see who's going to want to take on you know the Miles Bridges situation. He's he's played his numbers say that he's played well. <laughs> I think yes. you know from you know that you got to see how that works maybe on another roster um, and what role is he willing to ultimately accept. And now can you really just kind of build around Brandon Miller and LaMelo ball uh, for the rest of this year, but really, really interesting situation. And um, (laughs) I I just, I kind of have to chuckle, man, because uh, Steve Clifford, you came back for this, bro. I feel feel bad. He came back and I just I can't imagine that this is what he hoped and envisioned this was how this was gonna turn out. So don't know if he's gonna be long for that position in, in a completely, completely rebuilding situation. Switching back over to the Miami Heat, though, with Rogier there. So I don't know if Miami looked at that and said, Listen, look how he's distributing the basketball. But that's because he's you know, as you alluded to, career high and even in terms of usage. So because Lamella was out so much this year. And Miami's system is very much, hey, we share this thing. Uh, yes, they do have guys in and out of that out of that lineup, but can he go there and be the primary playmaker, you know, for that roster and in that team in special system, playing alongside Tyler Hero, um and even Bam out of who needs the ball in his hands and that's going to be creative. And again, Ball's, Bam's not a shot heavy person, but he has the ball a lot, especially of dribble handoffs and those types of things. Rogier has a playmaker in Miami system. Your thoughts there and how that might ultimately look.
0: Yeah, I think he wants the responsibility to play point guard, and I think he'll step up his game and be a better distributor. I think he'll understand. Listen, because, I mean, as I said, Terry turns 30 in March. Like, the the mm-hmm. young Terry should be d- gone. Like, this is a guy who is probably – who knows? Like, you know, this is his last big contract, right? And he'll be 32 when this contract ends. And uh, who knows if he'll be able to sign something in a 20, 30 million range this time, next time. So he's playing because I think people around the league want to see, can Terry play on a winning team? Is he a winning player? Or is he a guy that puts numbers up on bad teams? The yeah. same with all those guys in Charlotte, LaMelo, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, That's going to be the question. Can they play on a winning team in a, in a more disciplined system than running up the floor and Chuck threes, uh, as it was in Charlotte, let LaMelo take 37 footers. So I think he'll step up his game and I think he'll be challenged. He'll have to, and I think there's, you know, the leadership there, AKA Jimmy Butler will be like, listen, Terry, we didn't got you out of Charlotte. Um, it's time for you to, ch- to step up your game because we're trying to win a chip here. And I think Terry will respond to the challenge. As I said eighth year in the league, I want to say a ninth. So Terry been around a while now. Yeah. Um, he's put up the numbers in a, in a small market with virtually zero attention. Let's see what happens. You know, and and, and we talk about the, uh, the Celtics days. You know, he felt like he could have taken over the reins at point guard when Kyrie Irving left in 19 and the Celtics really didn't give him a chance to, they let, they, they chose Kimba over him and yeah. we can discuss, and we talked about this in previous podcasts, discuss whether that was a sound decision. I don't think anybody figured that Kimba's knee would fail him so quickly and that he would become kind of a shell of himself within one to two years of that deal and out of the league now. And, you know, I know he's playing in Monaco and seems to be doing good things there. And I hope he can get it one more chance to get back to the league, but, Terry felt like, you know, that's the one thing about Terry. He's young, youngstown, Ohio, through and through. He's got that confidence. You know, he, yeah. he's a guy who's, who's come from nothing, um, has had, you know, and has and made something of himself. So I think he'll step up his game. So I'm not concerned about that as much as uh, the system. How does him him and Hero play together? Because you kind of remember Hero likes to get his his shots up too. He does. And so will Terry say, okay, instead of 19 shots a game, I'll take 12, okay, and distribute. But I think that's something he'll have to do, uh, maybe on the occasional night that he's hot or that, you know, they draw up some more plays for him or, you know, it's just a, a favorable matchup. But I think he'll have to sacrifice.
1: Yeah, um, I, that's that's what I'm going to be watching for more than anything else. So you know, not to hammer the point home, but just it's it's going to be an interesting fit. But you trust Miami in essence that they do do, do do did their due diligence. You know, heat culture, the whole nine. They're not going to bring in somebody there that doesn't mesh with that <laughs> that that mantra that they have, Probably. especially with Jimmy and Bam. You know, being the leaders of that proverbial roster. Let's switch gears to the news that I sure again when talk about things I didn't see coming. Um, While it's been bantered about that Adrian Griffin might not have been the best fit, yes, there was some early stuff going on with Terry Stott stepping down as his associate head coach, and that all happened earlier in the year, but this team was 30-13. and 13. And then we get news that the Milwaukee Bucks said, you know what, Adrian Griffin, that, that's enough. Thank you for your time. Uh, you're, you're, you're getting your walking papers. Then as the day continues to unfold, and I don't even know as we're recording, um, more stuff might have come out, but that Doc Rivers, former Celtic friend, uh, consulted, you know, Adrian, on what it's like to be a head coach and how to command the locker room and all of those things. And now Doc is being considered for the job. Doc is a very approachable individual. I think you've even said in here on this show, like, hey, Doc makes you feel good. He's personable. But at the same time, there's been stuff out here that, you know, is Doc – the most, I don't know, I don't want to say, the most scrupulous individual, <laughs> you know, at times. And I think there's some stuff bantering about on NBA X Twitter, whatever you want to call it, that he might have snaked A.J. Griffin here a little bit. Either way, he's being considered for the position. Griffin is out. A lot of people are stunned and, and floored that he didn't get a chance to really fulfill the season. Like, what do you expect from a first-year guy? What can you tell us from what you know, any Bucks contacts that you might have, why Adrian Griffin didn't get a chance to at least even finish his first season here in the NBA with a 30 and 13 record at, at this stage of the season.
0: Yeah, Warren, I think it was the defense. First of all, they just haven't played Milwaukee Bucks type defense. And what that, what that forces you to do is to win a lot of shootouts and the Bucks, what they've done, unfortunately is win a lot of shootouts. And I just look at the last two games, Okay, you know, this favorable schedule here, the one that Celtics don't have that we talked about. Um, Games against Detroit, you know, basically fighting off the Pistons, 141-135 and 122-113. Like just literally like having to fight off the worst team in the league. Then a 40-point loss at Cleveland, I think,
1: you know. Giannis rested that game, but yes. Yeah,
0: without Giannis, but still. Yep. And then having to beat Sacramento one forty three one forty two in overtime, a game they probably should have lost. I think Malik Monk missed some free throws that would have uh, given the Kings. Uh, so
1: questionable uh, refereeing, as our yeah, <laughs> as point exactly
0: as Mike Brown pointed out. Yep. And they beat a Stephless. They have to fight to beat a Stephless uh, Golden State team uh, the night before that. At, then then was that that impressive win over the Celtics. But before that, a a loss against Utah that they trailed by as many as 31 points, a home loss to Utah, then a loss at Houston where Giannis, they lost despite Giannis scoring for 48 points and 17 rebounds. So if you look at this, Warren, it it just doesn't seem right in Milwaukee. They seemed like they were primed. Remember, they lost in the first round last year. It seemed like with the right with the right matchup or wrong for them, if they finish the second or third and they match up with the Knicks or someone like that, a rugged physical team or whoever comes up, that might have been a really, really competitive first-round series where the Bucks might have gotten knocked out again. And I just think there's just too much to lose at this point. Lillard is not getting any younger. Middleton is not the player he once was as much as – I'm a big Chris Middleton guy, came from nothing, second round pick. You can just see physically he's not quite himself like he was. Brooke Lopez is 36. Jay Crowder's 33. Um, Pat Connton's thirty, like they don't, they're not young, right? You know, I mean, you want to count Malik Bleasley and Marshawn Beechamp and some of those guys who are yeah. kind of on the end, you can, but that's a it's an old team. And they've got to bring it because their window is closing. You know, I mean, you're not going to bring a lot of free agents to Milwaukee. Um, So you're able to – and and if you're Adrian Griffin, you're like, well, you traded Drew Holiday. You know, you got me a guy in Lillard who can score but doesn't defend. And you gave me an old team. But, like, okay, go win. But I I think some of these, unfortunately, you know – a lot of first-time coaches fail. Doc Rivers failed in Orlando. There's a lot of first-time coaches uh, that fail. And then the second or third time, we go, we can go Mike Malone in Sacramento. We can go a yep. lot of places, a lot of coaches who are successful now, right, were fired at one time. You know, our friend Mike Brown has been fired three times, I want to say. Uh, Cleveland and sorry, – sorry, twice, Cleveland and the Lakers. And I think Cleveland twice. Um, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff in Cleveland has been fired. Tom Thibodeau has been fired with the Knicks. You know, Rick Carlisle had his issues before in the past. Like, if you look at the coaches around <laughs> the league, all of them, except maybe Eric Spolstra um, and Jamal Mosley in the East have been fired. You know, and Wesley Unseld, who's probably about to get fired. I'm looking yeah. at the West, you know, um, Ty Lu, Frank Vogel, you know, Willie Green is his first job. He's hanging in there. You know, like Jason Kidd has been fired. Like, it, you know, um, most, of, most coaches have been fired. So this is not to say that Adrian Griffin can't coach a team. He just can't coach this team. And yeah. I just think, and I just think the the Bucks are like we we just didn't what you what they probably should have done is gone for a more experienced, savvy coach uh, for the second time around, third time around, who can lead a team as opposed to Adrian Griffin, who might just not have his stripes yet. And we all saw the struggles at times that Joe Mazzulla went through in his first season as an NBA head coach. It's not easy. So I'm sure Adrian Griffin will land somewhere eventually. But I mean, it did go thirty and thirteen, you know. But I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, Warren, it was the easiest schedule in the league, and they also of, of those forty three games, uh, twenty three were at home, so wow. they had a home heavy schedule, one of the easier schedules in the league, and you know I'm sure the the defense I'm sure the folks said, okay, we should be better than thirty and thirteen and we should be allowing less than 120.5 points per game. And they are, if I look at my uh, nifty, they are 15, 14, 13, 12, 11th in the East in points allowed. I mean, you know, and that's not Milwaukee basketball. If you're looking for a reference, the Cavs are first. The Knicks and the Celtics are tied for second at 110. So they're allowing 10 more points per game than the Celtics. That's hard to win consistently late. And when you're playing elite teams, when you're allowing 10 more points than some of the good teams in the league. Um, And, you know, there's only one team in the West allowing more points in the Bucs, and that is the San Antonio Spurs. So you're talking about a bottom 10 defense bottom five defense, yeah, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, but the only thing I'm going to say here, Gary, is that we're teams can make strides, right? And and, and maybe just because Griffin was a rookie coach, but we talked about the Pacers here just a little while ago, right? And so they were 28th, and I think they're only, right now, maybe 26 in terms of their defensive rating, but over the last 15 games, they're in the middle of the pack. So changes and adjustments can be made. So to me, it signals it has to be more than just a defense. Like there was a it seems like there had to be some semblance of a disconnect there. So it's fine. if We don't necessarily know what that is.
0: Problems on offense. You know, we all saw the public kind of argument between Giannis and Griffin when they played the Celtics in in at court, you know, right at the scores table at TD garden when Giannis waved them off. Like, I don't want to come out. No, I don't want to come out. I don't, I don't think you heard me. I don't want to come out the game. And then he, and then they argued. He stayed. Yana stayed at the scores table, and then checked in at the next dead ball. So, like, okay, who's running the team here? Right. I just think the attitude. And Griffin's one of those guys that probably a lot of players did not know, you know, that he's been around. Not to say, but you know, we don't know the kind of guy. Like Griffin is kind of, you know, after a solid career, is kind of a reserve and a and a glue guy. He's coached around these circles. And so you don't know the personality of some of these guys, right? You don't know until they get on the the hot seat. You know, like a guy, I think of a guy like Ime Udoka, a lot of people, you know, on the floor, you know, did not know a lot about his style, who he was, because he was the the guy was just next to pop. You didn't really, he didn't Mm -hmm. he wasn't he wasn't one of these assistants like Sam Cassell, you know Sam, you know, some of these guys. So is their personality you know, fit the team, fit the situation. And I think Griffin probably didn't fit that situation. Now, should the Bucks have hired Charles Lee, uh, who was on Budenholzer's staff, maybe? Man, that's a, I'm sure they're, they were considering that, and now he's in Boston helping the Celtics right. out. But if you're the Bucs, you know, I just think they had to be a disconnect. You, as you mentioned, alluded to earlier, the situation with Terry Stotts where it's like, hey, I'm going to get a veteran coach in here to – put his hand on my shoulder and say, Adrian, do this and do that. And suddenly he comes at apparently, according to, you know, reports in the athletic, like he came at you know, he he kind of embarrassed Stotts in front of the players and you get your ass over here for this coach's only meeting. And he was like working with Dame on something. And then Stotts is like, okay, I don't like this vibe. This is not how I'm I'm a grown ass man. I'm getting the hell up out of here. Um, so who knows what kind of behind the scenes Coach Griffin is, whether he had the style, whether he has the basketball acumen. We don't know. Not every law, as we know, or not every great, every longtime assistant is worthy to be a head coach. There's yeah. guys, you know, as we look, we, we see in the NFL, you know, there's great coordinators who become bad coaches. And the same thing Well, I in the mean, NBA. even in
1: the NBA, I mean, not to, and and not to cut you off, and yeah. that's but I think one guy specifically only because he started here in the in the Miami area where I am is David Fisdale, and he's yes. just wasn't he able a, to. Yes,
0: yep. he had th- he had two chances, right? In Memphis yep. and in New York, and hey, you're supposed guy, and you were there for those title teams, and everybody loves you, and oh for two. So yep. Fisdale's now was he in Phoenix? Phoenix. Um, yep. under, under Vogel after, you know, he's bounced around in Utah before that. So if you're the, if you're the, sometimes it doesn't work like that. You know, sometimes great assistants don't become good head coaches, you know, and and that's been like
1: that for years. So before we close out, just your thoughts on the, the rumor of Doc and any controversy that might be surrounding that. And do you think Doc would be a good fit? you know, in in that situation for the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of
0: pressure on Doc. Might be his last chance. I think Doc has to view it that way. Like, I might not get another job if I pass this up. He's got to think about his long-term future. I know he wants to win another championship. I know he was upset about what happened in Philly and kind of felt like he got fired by James Harden. And then Harden turns on the Sixers, so he felt like he got screwed. Now, you know, do you think Nick – would Doc have done the same job as Nick Nurse is doing? um in philadelphia you know he his whole thing is i've talked to him in the last couple of months was you know it wouldn't it didn't take a rocket scientist to put the ball in Maxie's hands and let him be all-star caliber and then you know then uh mb flourishes from there so kind of unfair to judge doc of whether well look at what dick nurse is doing doc would have never done that i don't know if that's the case right um but doc's had some opportunities where he's blown in LA, that bubble team that blew a three-one lead to the and then yeah. you know, Paul George. I was right there when he said it. Said basically, well, it wasn't like you know, it was championship or bust this year. What you know, you sign <laughs> Kawhi and you bring on you and Kawhi, and it's not championship or bust. Y'all got three to four years to figure this thing out. You know, so it's a it's a risky move, I'll say, Warren, but not because not. Doc can't coach, but the situation, the relationships, mid-season. But does Doc grab at this and say, you know what? This is probably my last chance. Um, you know, the younger players aren't really vibing with me. You hear all these guys who played for Doc or over the year, yeah, I didn't like playing for Doc or Doc this. So he's not the popular guy he was 10 years ago. Um, and, you know, where the coaches coach and everybody, you know, it, it's, it's not that way. So if you're Doc, I think you've got to really think about it, and I think if you're Milwaukee, you've got to get somebody who knows what the hell they're doing to go in there and go, okay, Giannis, Dame, this is what we're going to do. We're going to highlight you here. We're going to change some things here, and you're going to have to 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 trust me on this because I trust you.
1: Last thing here is how much do you think Giannis and Dame had – uh, an impact in, in in this decision, and then I guess the potential decision to bring Doc in.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably a level of unhappiness with both. And I think if Doc's out there, and apparently he was hired as a consultant or something for the mm-hmm. Bucks, or you know, like Van Gundy's a, a consultant for the Celtics. So if that comes up, if Van, you know, I don't know if Van Gundy wants to coach again. That's an interesting dynamic. I do think he likes his consulting position with the Celtics, but you know, is Doc saying, "Well, I probably would have done this differently"? We don't know. It's happened before, um, unfortunately, in, in in the league, where, where guys have have kind of screwed other coaches or pushed, you know, gone behind the back or said, "Well, you know, you know, such and such is a great coach, but I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably would have done right. this." And, and, and that's I'm just saying, hey, you know, don't listen to me if you don't want to, but you know, <laughs> that's my, you know. <laughs> We've all we've all been in those situations like that, and not in basketball, but in life and, and yeah. friendships and, and that type of thing. So um you know, I, I think if you're if you if you're the Bucks and you're Giannis, I just think you got to get the right coach. And was Budenholzer, obviously it, it didn't work out there. Who is the right coach? Who is that guy that you would choose Warren to step right in and gain 44 and, and and lead this team to a championship? Like I can't name the guy. Is right. Doc the yeah. best? Probably, you know, because unless you're going to pull pull a guy off someone else's staff in midseason and, and do that, or that guy's at home, like you said, like we talked about Van Gundy, you know.
1: Or Stan Sots. Van,
0: yeah. Van Gundy. <laughs> That's not, what's not, interesting. Yeah. Or Stan Van Gundy. I mean, there's ex-coaches yeah, yeah. out there. Lionel Hollins. Is, I mean, there's plenty of guys out there who would love to coach in the league. Right. Um, And aren't. But are they the right fit? Good. I mean, for guys, as much as we all love Giannis, he doesn't seem to be the easiest guy to coach. And the Mm -hmm. same with Dane. That's that's just that's just facts.
1: Yes, sir. That is just facts, and I think that's a great place for us here to wrap here on Believe in Celtics. Uh, so two big moves that impact the Eastern Conference, one on the player side, one on the sideline side. Um, Milwaukee, as we're recording, yet to name Doc officially as the coach, um, so we'll see if that ends up pivoting. It ends up being somebody else ultimately. Uh, but the Celtics have their hands full. they got to focus on what they have to do, obviously playing the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Clippers here over the course of the weekend, and then games against the Pelicans and the Pacers next week as well too. As always, make sure you stay tuned. To everything we do here, at believe in Celtics. Uh, we're gonna wrap here as I, as I alluded to. Make sure you follow Gary at G. Washburn Globe. Always check out his writings at TheBostonGlobe.com. You can follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. And as that, that'll do it here, man, believe in Celtics, man. We're out.